hours. If I had one superpower, <laughs> I would do crazy things for the superpower. I would pause time. If I could do this, I would pause time for probably four months. Genies, if you're listening. And I, <laughs> who? Genies. Genies. Yeah. Well, what, what's the cursed thing? After those four months, I instantly age four years. E- you yeah. still do that. I would probably still do that. <laughs> And welcome to the Open Hardware Manufacturing Podcast, the podcast about making open source hardware. My name is Stephen Haas. And I'm Lucian Chapar. And today's episode comes from a question from Appa OG, which is all about making yourself obsolete. We talk about offloading tasks to other people, what things should be offloaded, and how much stuff is required to make sure that offload happens correctly. Is it documentation? Is it training? We talk about starting a job and immediately spending $135,000 and (laughs) the responsibility of having to deal with an offload that is of that tier and also how maybe you don't offload such large things like a crazy big purchase and you kind of walk people into responsibility and how I will probably need videos pried from my cold dead hands if I'm ever to offload that kind of thing. And once you have offloaded that task and given it to somebody else to do, how do you make sure that they're doing it consistently, that they're doing it well and QC them how do you build up that trust that that thing is being done correctly? Yeah, so there's a lot to this one. We really tear into it. Yep, and it's definitely a tricky thing to do as you're growing a thing because you can't do everything. You, you only have so many hours in the day as one person. So yeah, this is a good one. It's a tricky thing to do, but yeah, it's a good chat. Yeah, let's get into it. Let's do it. All right, so the topic for this week's episode comes from Appa OG from our Discord server, and they ask a question about making yourself obsolete. And we talk a lot about we should be doing what we're the most uniquely good at. So their question is about How do you actually offload some of those things? Maybe you're the most uniquely good at a certain task, but you're running out of time. How do you get the other people to be uniquely good at that thing and free up your own time to work on something else? And it's a tricky one. And they ask a whole bunch of questions. It's a great post. And we're going to address it in this episode. So this all comes from an idea that we've had from the beginning of Opulo that one of our investors, Joel Spolsky, gave us for advice, which is that we should only ever be working on what we're the most uniquely good at. Like, what are we uniquely bringing to the table? That is where all of our focus should be. What makes us unique? All the stuff that's sorted, and we talked about this in a million other episodes, but like tool or project is very much in line with this. You know, we don't do HR ourselves. We offload that. We're making pick and places. All of our focus should go into that new thing we're doing there. And I think it's important distinction to say that it's not necessarily what we're uniquely skilled at because like me and Bryce are both capable with an hour of training to make drag chains. And like I said in that previous episode that I'm actually very bad at it now. <laughs> yeah, but, hour and a half for Steven. And I, yeah, it takes me a lot <laughs> longer. But like if I were to do it as much as Bryce did, I'd probably get, probably, I don't know, Bryce is really good at doing things correctly, but <laughs> I'd still be able to do it, right? So anyone could eventually get to the point where they could do that. But like developing, making a firmware release, I'm the only one at the company that can do that right now. Right. We have this notion of keep the programmers programming. Yeah. So if, if Steven's uniquely good at doing that, He shouldn't be making drag chains. Right. Like, what's the most shiny Pokemon, the most rare thing (laughs) that you have that no one else can do? That should be the first, like, slot filled. Mm -hmm. In my mind of, like, everyone has a a calendar, you know? Yeah. What blocks go into what sections of task? If I'm the only one that can do something, I should probably be doing that, you know? And if other people could with quick training. Because Bryce could also do a firmware release. It took me years of writing firmware to figure out how to get close to doing what we do here. But he could. But it would take years, you know? Yeah. And as a company, there's only so much time we can allot for someone to learn something. So mm-hmm. like, we just have to become reasonable there yep. and have expectations of, yes, people can learn and grow, 
yeah. but also we're not waiting for Bryce to be the firmware engineer right. for next week. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's not fair to him. It would be stressful. It would be very stressful, yeah. And also, does he want to do it? Yeah. You know, and which we actually get into later. There's a really good thing we got from uh, one of our favorite people at Forum Labs about kind of like, how do you give tasks to people? But we'll get to that a little bit later. But this is kind of what this whole idea is about, is like, we keep the programmers programming. Like, what are you going to be the most effective at? That should be your main focus. So if you have things like me making drag chains, when did we decide to have me not do that anymore? Yeah, because originally even you and I were the only ones building the BYOP kit for the women. <laughs> it was you, me, and Jaden, and we were just yeah. cleaning extrusion and making motherboards and bagging bolts. And like <laughs> for like that first like three weeks before we launched the first set of kits, yeah, we were just getting grubby, just sleeping in the office, trying to get things out before a launch date that we had we had kind of set ourselves to. Yeah, we were offloading nothing. Yeah, we were offloading nothing. Literally everything was us. And that was pretty rough. (laughs) So, yeah. Yeah, we we knew we needed help. Mm -hmm. And we had to figure out the balance of when to get it. Right. So sometimes you just know because it's literally impossible for all the tasks that need to get done. You can't can't do it with X (laughs) number of people. There's only so many hours, you know? Right. As soon as the BYOP shipped, I had to get busy on reordering. And Steven had to get busy on supporting the community. And we had only fulfilled like half of the orders we got in like the first like three days or something, two days. Yeah. So we still had to be making them. It was like very obvious right out of the gate. Mm-hmm. Oh my Lord, we have so many, <laughs> we have a lot to do still. We have, we need, we need help. Yeah. The work was cut out for us. Right. So that's the first thing is like, do you need more help? Which is pretty easy to just be like, well, am I working, you know, 90 hour weeks? Well, maybe I could use a little <laughs> help. That might be useful. But then it's like, okay, so then what do you offload? You know, what do you give to somebody else? And there's I, I kind of think, uh, tell me if you disagree with this. I kind of think it's like, it's a balance of a lot of different weighted factors and different factors have different weights depending on how important they are or what the task is. And there's a lot of those factors that like, is this a good offloadable thing? Right. So some of these are like, can we condense the role into like explicit, clear written instructions? And there's no ambiguity. Yeah, for sure. You and I, we, we kind of try on every role mm-hmm. we'd think to hire for. Yeah. Because we have to be able to explain it concisely, mm-hmm. write it up into an SOP, ideally. Yep. And, like, understand what it's like to operate in that capacity here. Yep. And I think that mainly goes towards techs. Because, like, knowledge workers, like, that kind of thing, we're going to give them something amorphous. Yeah. You know? So I think that's a really good task of, like, for offloading to a tech, like, an assembly thing. Can I be incredibly explicit about the process so there's no ambiguity in it? Sometimes we do offload things that are ambiguous, but that's kind of a separate thing. Yeah. Also, do we have the budget to hire for it? Or is there enough time for another person that's already here to take that thing on? You know, like if I'm feeling super overwhelmed and I have a bunch of stuff on my plate, and I'm like, oh, there's this thing I could give Lucian. And you're like, eh. I'm drowning. <laughs> I also have a lot of stuff I'm trying to do right now. <laughs> then it's like, whatever. But if you're like, yeah, no, give it to me. Okay, cool. Then it, then it's worth offloading. For sure. So that's also part of it. And can we afford to hire another person to take on that extra task? Or do we just work longer hours and try and yeah. do it ourselves? <laughs> or flex the overtime budget. Yes, or flex the overtime budget. Yeah, exactly. That's a, another way to offload and to get more work out of someone Mm -hmm. yep can't do it forever totally yep and then there's how long would it take to train someone up on the process right do we have time for someone hired on into the team to learn this thing right how long would it take to train someone up on building like a feeder for example right yep and we've we have to make it very easy there Mm -hmm. someone can make a feeder on their first day yep but for other things maybe someone where it's being hired on to run the print farm right we would hire someone who knows how to use a printer ideally because There's a lot to be said about maintaining those guys. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There's a ton. We have a whole process and like firmware and slicer compatibility dependencies and like it's a thing. (laughs) So like how long would it take to train them? Is it going to be worth it to train them on the thing? You know, like if it's a huge task to train them, like, I mean, a great example I think of is like Aligny. 
like yeah. you managing a liney. How long would it take you to train someone? We so fail the bus test with a liney, dude. Yeah. We so fail the bus test. <laughs> but like, if you were like, okay, I want to, I want to offload all purchasing and all management of doing builds yeah. and like making builds to someone. That would take so, it would take three weeks to offload that to me. Yeah. <laughs> and I would entirety. still not do it well, I think, in comparison to how well you do it, you know? I don't know. There's always room to improve. <laughs> I recently offloaded SMT component purchasing to uh, one of our technicians. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that was great. Yeah. Because um, I wasn't the one consuming that stock. Mm-hmm. I didn't have great oversight of how it was depleted, how it, some of the material was wasted. Right. It was great. Yeah. So it was a no-brainer to offload that one. Yep. Yeah, because it was it could be written up pretty cleanly. Mm-hmm. They had an understanding of it. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, and especially because you're not purchasing from a person you talk to. It's as simple as Amazon or Mastercard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was a no brainer for offloading. A win for everyone. It gave the uh, the technician some extra skills, extra padding for the resume. Yep. Gave some workload off my plate. Yeah, that's a, that was a good win. Yeah, and like. Let's say they did make a mistake. How revertible is a mistake? I could always return something right. that they bought extra of. Sure. Like, no no harm, really. Yep. Tied up a couple of extra bucks for a few days, but eh. Yep. It's yeah. fine. If it's still offloading that ta- task off of your plate, that's so good. Like, okay, wh- whatever. We have to return something. Or yeah. like, they buy too much or too little of something, and we have to spend a little bit more on shipping. That's just the cost of teaching someone how to do this well and offloading it. Like, at first, they're not going to do it as well as you would. Mm-hmm. You know, they're just not ever going to. Yeah. And that's okay. That's what it means to offload the thing. Eventually they'll get better and eventually they'll get better than you. Like Bryce kicks my butt at drag chains, you know, <laughs> I, I and don't a even, bunch of other things. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even mind mistakes as long as they get caught before it ships to the customer. Cause that's right. where they learn the best. Exactly. Uh. <laughs> yep. Mm-hmm. That's a whole other point too, yeah. is like, if we can catch the mistake, that also makes it a lot easier to offload something. Like if there's something where if they can make a mistake and it goes into the void and there would never be a time where we could catch it, mm-hmm. then it makes it a lot harder to offload that thing. But like uh, purchasing parts is a great example. You have whoever's doing purchasing for SMT components. You look at the DigiKey in the LCSC order list yeah, and you're like, oh, great. Here's all the things and you double check it before we yeah. pull the trigger. Like that's very easy to do. It takes you you know, 30 seconds to give it a once over. And so it's, it's easy to check, easy to outsource. Yeah. You know, that's a great one to delegate. It was funny too, because um, when this person originally did purchasing, their credit card limit was $200 per purchase. <laughs> and I gradually cranked it all the way up to, uh, I think, $4,000 per purchase yeah. over the course of like a few weeks as they got up to speed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's no accidental, whoops, I charged uh, yeah. a lot. <laughs> 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 yeah, like when I just slightly relevant thing. There's a my first week at Deep Local, the first company I worked oh, at in school. Funny. It was like my first day, and they're like, "Hey, Stephen, we want you on this project. It's this crazy lighting thing for Google." And I was like, "Okay," and they're like, "We need you to figure out what lighting equipment we need to buy." Here's the website, like, or not even which website. I had to like ask vendors and stuff. And in a couple of days, I had a recommendation, and the total cost of the equipment was one hundred thirty five thousand dollars. Oh my god! And I'm a 22-year-old kid. I just graduated college. And they're like, so what do you think we should buy? I'm like, it's all this stuff. And they're like, is it right? I was like, I think so. Yeah. And they're like, then buy it. So my first week of my first, I had to spend $135,000 out of the gate. Like they offloaded that thing. And that's pretty not, I mean, it's, I guess they could have reversed it. They didn't have time for the wrong thing to they show up. They didn't have time for the, they didn't, yeah. So like, it's also like, how stressed are you? And how much are you just like, whatever, I'm just going to send it and hope it works yeah. <laughs> like it, yeah that was that was really fun if you had bought the wrong thing they would have sent you to the vendor who has the right thing 
with a plane ticket. Yeah, I pro- <laughs> exactly. Like they would have just manifested a correct solution and they didn't have time to have someone more experienced do that. And like, that's yeah. what that job was. But you know, that also well illustrates the balance of how much risk are you willing to take on when offloading a thing? They took on a ton by letting me take a hundred. Th- that's crazy for a kid. I made the right call. It ultimately worked out like they got lucky, but that's all about your balance of how much do you want to try and offload for the sake of freeing you up to do other things, you know? Yeah. And for us, what's nice here is the risk is pretty mitigated when we offload because we have really scrutinous QC process for all of our outgoing product. Right. Yeah. So it's, it's really easy to let people just get right into it mm-hmm. and make stuff. Aside from like a gluing operation, things are pretty easy to revert. So all issues can get caught. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much. It's like pretty hard for something to be permanently messed up. If someone messes up one single item mm-hmm. as we're like shipping it out, there's not a lot of single items that could be messed up permanently that we'd be like, that's devastating. Like, yeah, we're going to lose some money on it. Sure. But it's never going to be like totally crushing, you know? So even if it is permanently messed up, it's never a huge chunk of things like parts are replaceable. The whole machine's very modular. Like it, it, it's, it's all right. And another thing we think about with offloading is like how evergreen is the task? Mm-hmm. Like if I need to do a process once every once in a while, and it takes me three hours. Am I going to spend 10 hours training someone to do it? Not worth it. Probably not. Do we have to do it only once? Yeah, I'm just going to do it. I'm not going to try and show someone how to, I'm just going to do it because it's a one-off thing. Like, is it evergreen? Is this buying me a lot of like automation of the task Mm -hmm. or is it, you know, what's my ROI on the time? Like building lumens, we will always need to do it infinitely <laughs> always yep that is an infinitely good roi we train someone and they can now do this thing we'll always need to have done infinitely high infinite roi that's great for sure but some things it's like nah. i should just spend an hour every month doing this thing and like it, it's okay it's it's a great one mm-hmm. it actually reminds me of uh, one more that i would have otherwise forgotten mm-hmm. but uh how many decisions does someone have to make yeah. when doing the task? Right, right. So like, for example, I'm still the one making shipping labels right now mm-hmm. because once there's international orders and orders that need multiple boxes and like customers with special requests, there's maybe a hundred different decisions I have to make in a shipping batch. Right. And uh, it would take so many flow charts and diagrams and like technical write-ups to explain our shipping process flow that yep. it's just easier for me to do it. Right. Yeah. There's only so many batches we ship. When we outsource that task to others, I end up getting asked five, 10 questions anyway. Yeah. So I just do it. Yeah, exactly. Sometimes it's just easier to just do it yourself. You have this great line, like if we have a crazy wave of orders and it's like, oh man, are we going to, you know, do we need to help out with production or something? I'm like, Lucian, tap me in. Like I'll, <laughs> I'll help build stuff. And your line usually to me is I'd much rather that you spend that time documenting the processes to make it better for people than mm-hmm. for you to go in because, because it's the ROI thing. Yeah. It, you know, the analogy is, um, that, that we've been using a lot recently is like an empty boat is a zero day lead time. Yeah. Right. The water coming in is our new orders through the leak and the guys are in the boat trying to bail it out and the yeah. hole keeps getting bigger. The orders keep getting bigger. It's like, I can, I can make it so we can get ahead. Yeah. I can plug that hole a little bit by making it easier to make the machines by us hiring all that stuff. I could help bail out the boat, but there's still water rushing in, Yeah, you know, like it would be, it is a better long-term investment to try and plug that hole mm-hmm. and find a way to support this growing influx of water. The analogy doesn't yeah. really hold up. Here, no, it's, it's, it's good. Yeah. Um, and it's, it gets at this feeling you and I have when we think of whether we should tap ourselves to join in production. Yeah. It's like, it's always better spent improving process, spending some engineering time, making the limit easier to build for right. the subsequent weeks where we're building the machine again. Right. Overtime can handle the uh, the dynamic nature of like order volume expanding and contrasting. Sure. 
Usually, sometimes yeah. we do <laughs> yeah. pop in. But it's, it's it's not it's not too often. Like it's always a decision. It's always eh, does it make sense to do it here? Yeah, you know, like we do it if we have to, but we try and find ways to just make the the leak not as bad if we can. Yeah, and make the people who are bailing out the boat already make it easier for them. Yeah, what we're getting at here is it's so interesting to handle a product of a long lead time. Yeah, because the orders placed today will affect us in a few weeks. Mm-hmm. Our headcount can vary by then. Mm-hmm. Our materials on hand can vary by then. The product could change for the better by then. Yeah. there's It's just amazingly dynamic. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's so hard. I'll be like, Lucian, how are we looking for the lead time? And he's like, Ugh. there is no sentence to summarize that. It's like three charts. Yes. Yes. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, you can't you can't just give me a sentence to answer that question. <laughs> yeah. Like we, we were trying to drop the lead time down to, from four weeks to two. Mm-hmm. And I go, ah, oh, crap, Stephen. I could have, I could have had the lead time listed as two weeks for. And I look at the chart. Oh no, never mind. <laughs> in order, a couple of orders would have changed my sentiment on that. Yep. Mm-hmm. Between the morning where I looked and the afternoon when he asked. Sure. It's yeah. just that it can be that delicate when we yeah. have exactly as much headcount as we need. Yeah. Exactly. Um, yeah. We don't try to. We don't overhire. Mm-hmm. Yep. Exactly. So <laughs> yeah, and and that also makes the offloading thing weird because like you have to decide. Do we have the budget to hire them? You know, and, and not only that, but like, do we know that we would have the work for them indefinitely? Because like the thing I absolutely hate the idea of is like we hire someone and then we have to fire them or let them go because we overhired. Yeah. I, I hate that idea. Mm. So we have to make sure that the person that we're hiring will have the work for them indefinitely based on sales that we've seen. Obviously, it's always a risk, you yeah. know, like the fact that this company even exists is still a risk. But we have to have some some confidence there. Yeah. And that's a hard, how do you balance that? What's your risk assessment on that kind of thing of like to offload more stuff? It's tough. <laughs> and we, we constantly talk about that. Yeah, this is not an easy one. Yeah, 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 it's not an easy one. And sometimes when you decide to offload, it's to a commercial partner. <laughs> and Stephen's going to tell us about our current sponsor. That's right. This episode's sponsor is PCBWay. We use PCBWay for all of our prototype boards, and we use them because they are so fast at getting a design fabricated, sent out the door, and into our office in less than a week. That is super important for us because we run a line that has such quick turnaround. We need to get stuff out the door, and we also want to prototype quickly. Our whole line is designed around quick updates, so the fact that our PCB vendor can also do that for us We make a design change. We get that design in within a week. And it's also been QC checked by the engineers at PCBWay to make sure I didn't make some silly mistake. It's incredibly important. It's been super helpful for us. Thank you so much to PCBWay for sponsoring this episode. I I think you said this before, but like QC, like everything gets QC'd. Mm -hmm. So it's pretty easy to offload stuff. And we'll get into like how we check when people are starting up a little bit later. But we we check, we we QC everything, especially when they're just getting started. So like, might as well toss them into it. See how they do. Mm-hmm. The Mobo Pogo Pin jig that I made videos about like a couple of years ago. It's really, really easy to train for. Mm-hmm. Super easy. We need it all the time. Seems like a great opportunity to offload. One would think. One would think. But if you if one diode is backwards on it of a certain subset of diodes, the whole jig gets nuked. <laughs> and it's a three hour detour for me to fix yeah. it. I'm the only one that uses that jig. <laughs> that is the that is the piece of production that I consistently am the only one that does to ship machines. It's like I'm pogo pinning. I'm all visually QCing all of those motherboards. Make sure all of them because I don't want someone to have to come to me and be like, Steven, cancel your afternoon. I nuked this jig and now production's messed up for this build. Like it that should to, be me. <laughs> it used to be that way. And people were it we just felt bad. Yeah, we felt bad and it would suddenly nuke stuff. You know, because like they don't necessarily know which parts they need to double check. And if they miss them, like I spend a lot of time double checking all of them to make sure 
I'm the one who has to deal with the jig getting nuked. Yeah. So I'm paying attention to it. So I do that. I can't wait to replace that jig. Oh my God, yeah. dude. I'm so excited for <laughs> that thing. On that one, it's, and brings us back to a point, it's not worth our time to try to train people to use that jig more safely because sometimes a perfect looking board can nuke it. Like, yeah. So the only way out of this one is like through the process of making that jig better for the, like in future revisions of the motherboard. Right. So yeah. It goes back to bailing out the boat versus making it better. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. The new, uh, new version. We're, we're working on a new version of the motherboard that's all SMT mm-hmm. uh, aside from a couple parts we really can't make SMT just to make it easier for us to build. It's effectively the same motherboard. Yeah. And we're going to change how we do some of the testing to be more consistent and easier. And like, I learned a lot from that jig. It is not made optimally. (laughs) Uh, We can make a lot better, but that work is going to allow all QC testing on motherboards to be offloaded off of me. I spend X number of hours making the jig, updating the motherboard. And then now it's completely offloadable. Yep. Um, so yeah, that's kind of cool. For sure. And then you mentioned uh, you have in here videos. Yeah, you can pry them from my cold dead hands. <laughs> I will not offload those. And I, I, I'm i saying that kind of in jest and also kind of not. Like the videos on my channel, I mean, ultimately it's still Stephen Hawes. And it's my it's my voice and the branding and the, the tone of it. And like I've seen YouTube channels get editors and yeah. they still keep the original tone. I float the it's editors possible. constantly. Yeah, but, uh, <laughs> yeah. With a such an information dense video category of yeah. like electrical engineering, how are they going to know what to show? Yeah, yeah, and like I also have developed a way that I will talk to the camera and know what stuff I'm going to include and what I don't, and yeah. how I cut it together. And like it's not nearly as stream of consciousness as it could be. So I don't know. That one's not easy for me to delegate. Also, it's like my baby, and I don't want to <laughs> give it up. <laughs> and it's, and literally ch- it's literally your channel. Yeah, yeah, and it, editing also doesn't take that long. It takes me time, but like shooting and figuring out the video is really the big thing. I have my keyboard shortcuts for Final Cut. I just zone in for a few hours and I get the edit done. <laughs> so it's not that bad. And we actually tried offloading a little bit of this for our feeder launch video. It went pretty okay. It went really well. Yeah. yeah, it was cool. The team was awesome. It was much more cinematic and much better shot than I would have done it. And it was kind of okay. We didn't have the control over it because like I still wrote the script. I did the voiceover. We had editorial, you know, comments and they made a couple tiny changes, but they Pretty much freaking nailed it out of the game. Yeah. Yeah. Great firm. So I don't know. It's kind of tough. That one, I'm glad that one definitely took me out of my comfort zone. I was a little uncomfy during that whole thing. Like, oh, I don't have the video. Like, I'm not doing the video, but it, it ended up being really good. And uh, in that unique situation where we paid someone for once, like, we didn't really have the time for you to edit that video. Yeah. It ended up kind of being a toss up on whether it saved time or not. Yeah. But it was really comforting to have another team responsible for that video being good. Another team responsible for the other social media assets out of it. Yep. Just to not have to think about it. It was really nice. And it's also like, I, I might've, cause I still had to do a lot of the management of that thing. Mm-hmm. You know, like wh- whenever you're offloading something to somebody else, you still have to kind of manage them and make sure that it's working well and it's on the track that you want it to be. So there was some of that, but yeah, they did take a lot of that off my plate and it definitely did save me time and it did turn out to be a lot better than what I would have made. Way cleaner, way cooler. It's really if it was worth the money. I think it was probably probably about a wash, probably about worth it. The video is great. I yeah, mean, I, it, it was really it. good. I'm really happy with it too. I'm glad we tried it. Mm-hmm. And it was a lot of fun to have a whole shoot day at the office. Like <laughs> it was, that was a fun, stressful yeah. day. <laughs> it was, it was fun being called up to be on camera. I remember I took 10, 20 tries to get the feeder inserted <laughs> smoothly because- yeah. I hadn't used them nearly as much as Steven by then. <laughs> yeah, that's right. 
<laughs> trying to figure out how to, it was, that nice. was so funny and i could see you, you every time you tried you got more and more nervous you're like oh no oh no yeah, oh no yeah, but, <laughs> you got it you got yeah. it yeah and i have a gnarly hand scar on my left hand yeah. too. I was like oh they, people, it's gonna be more distracting than the feeder <laughs> yeah 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 yeah, that was a fun day. That was a fun day, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, that that was that was a good example of doing it, or at least trying it. Yeah. You know, trying it out, trying it on. It's always fun to try out stories like in a non-committal way like that. Yeah. It's a great way, getting a contractor in for a video shoot is a great way to try on like a full-time editor. Sure. Temporary work, part-time work is a good way to see what it's like, you know, and, and try people on that way. Hiring part-time, moving to full-time, that's another good way to kind of like, what is it like to outsource this kind of thing? Contractors are the best. So yeah, it's it's a good way to kind of dip your toe into it if you're not sure. For sure. Yeah. So if you've decided to outsource and like bring on some extra help, how do you do that? A big thing there is training. And we've tried that so many different ways. We've tried having people watch videos, read forums. We've tried having them just figure it out. Yep. For us, it came back to OHI. Yes. That's the Open Hardware Assembly Instructions. Yep. So if we're hiring for the assembly team, I'm going to start off by saying we don't ask people to do things that are undocumented by and large as mm-hmm. much as possible, yep. especially for someone new. Yeah. I might have someone who's like been here a year or more, like pioneer the instructions. But if you're new here, you're going to start off on the production line by reading our assembly instructions back to back a couple times. And then we're going to throw you to it. Yep. Something once or twice. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And that's great because it, it's also a ground truth for what is the meta? What is the correct way to do it? You know, if it's just ambiguous, people can do whatever they think is right or makes sense. And like we've gone through and figured out the best way, the quickest way to assemble things. Like when you're writing the feeder assembly docs, like you and I bashed our head against a wall trying to figure out what's the optimal method for assembling a feeder. Do we do this step first? Do we do that step first? What's the quickest way in terms of movement? There's a great video from uh, there's a YouTube channel called Fast Cap. Really interesting. The dude's super into like Kaizen and Lean and like all this stuff. Wacky, wacky channel. Um, but they, they have a video where they like have this operator, like bagging a spray bottle and a spray can into like cellophane or whatever. And they time how long it takes her to do it. And they watch her hand movements and they're like, what if we moved this here? I noticed it took you two seconds to grab this film. What if we separated them out this way? And they just refine the process. It's really cool. It's like a little wild, but it's a cool thing to see how you optimize that. And we did a lot of that for the feeder. It's written down there for a reason. So it kind of adds the ground truth answer, which is a really nice thing to have. Also there too, like what's not said is where we allow people to like figure it out for themselves. Right. Like we don't have a, a 30 step set of instructions for how to fold a cable perfectly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. You don't want to be too verbose because you just let people have space to figure just it let out. let them introspect. Yeah. It's like we only hire smart people. Mm-hmm. It's like you can figure it out. <laughs> you know, like <laughs> some of these things are just self-evident. And it's like it's too overblown to be like fold the cable at, you know, seven inches at this point. It's like I don't have time to write it. Yeah, that explicitly. exactly. Exactly. I have a joke about Ojai is um, I don't write it for fun. Mm-hmm. And every word is important. Yep. <laughs> There's not, if anything, there's words it needs. It doesn't have. Yeah, exactly. So there's nothing optional to read. Right. To skip past. Sure, 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 sure. Yeah. That's why the pictures are a great way to catch someone up if they miss something. Mm -hmm. But uh, every word needs to be internalized and understood when there's training. Yep. So having, having someone read it is really good. And like, especially for the instructions for QCing motherboards, when I'm teaching someone how to do that, they don't know any of the stuff in that. Yeah. At all. And I still have them sit down for 20 minutes and just read it. Cause I just want them to be like, what the heck is DFU mode? And then they learn. And I still want to just prime the pump a little bit. So they know some of those things. And then we just walk through it and they kind of like almost connect a face to a name kind of thing. 
And then that's usually what we do is, you know, we'll, we'll have them read through the OI and then we do it with them once, twice, depending on what the thing is. And then generally let them do it a couple times with us around. So if they run into a weird question or something, we're there to immediately help them fix it. Or there's someone else on the line that has done that thing before that they can help answer a question. When, when I do this for running the Lumen, <laughs> I, what I'll actually do is before I bring them into Mendel yeah. and teach them how to run the Lumen, I will intentionally mess up a couple config parameters in OpenPMP. I always think it's so mean, but it's, <laughs> it's helpful. I don't, I, don't, I don't expect them to figure it out. I start running the job and something happens where it like doesn't pick a part or it doesn't place it correctly or whatever. And I'm like, okay, so what do you think the problem is? And they're like, well, you know, it probably was X, Y, Z. I'm like, okay, cool. This is, you're, you're right. Or no, it's this other thing. This is how you go to solve it. I show them where it is in OpenPMP, navigating the UI, yeah. f- figuring out where it is, solve it so that they immediately get an example of if I do run into this in the future, they've literally seen the problem happen. It's not that useful to watch me walking over to Lumen, hitting go, and then just letting it run. It's like, cool. Yeah, that's that's fantastic, ideally. But if something happens... It's just not useful it, you, you need to see the, it the, Exactly. The point about being able to do it really well is like reading our docs, understanding how the machine works. Like the fundamentals of understanding it is what's really important. Um, and you can do that by, it, it, you know, intentionally introducing a bug and showing how to fix it is a great way to show them this is how you ultimately solve the problem. I remember, uh, it reminds me of a... Someone, someone newer was building an assembly here and almost everything possible went wrong and it was their first time building it. Oh yeah. Yes. And I was, <laughs> I was feeling, feeling myself getting agitated um, at the time and I was like, actually, no, this is great. Yeah. Cause it gives them a chance to experience everything possible that yeah. could go wrong. <laughs> yes. Poor timing for our production quotas that it was all at once, but uh, <laughs> I, they learned more than they would have otherwise by just following the instruction sets like routinely. Totally. And that also leads nicely into like, you and I know these processes really, really well. Mm -hmm. And it's hard to remember that like these people don't know necessarily anything about the machine when they're first starting. People that we're teaching, and we're we're talking heavily about techs here. Yeah. Um, But this also goes for knowledge workers, it goes for anybody. You know, we have all this context, Mm -hmm. you know? I remember starting at Form Labs like a lot of startup companies, they have a lot of like goofy, like nicknames for things, you know, <laughs> roller like, dude, roller dude, Mixer dog. exactly. It's Crazy like the engineering terms. You just, and it's just these, the Sanic board, you know, yeah. you come up with these goofy names, uh, and you're like, what the heck is this thing? There's a lot of like local terminology to understand, you know, like what is, what does CP 40 mean? What is N 75 yep. for a nozzle tip? Like some of these, it isn't even stuff we're making up necessarily. It's like, it's stuff that is like industry terms, you know? Yeah. And at the risk of sounding obvious, that's why these instructions that we write are so good because it gives us a common framework for communicating. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think anytime you're working with another designer, like it takes you and them a couple of weeks maybe to get a, like a shared visual language to talk about features and flanges and like whatever. Sure. Like you and I, even like learning how to talk about like Lumen CAD changes together took a little while to just get each other's bearings. Sure. Yeah. Figure (laughs) out how we want to do it and you know, what kind of things are important to us in in the design. And yeah, totally. It just takes a while. Now like half our design meetings, like (laughs) nonverbal. Yeah. We had one yesterday. It was just like, it was quick. I was like, are you going to do it this way? You're like, yeah. I'm like, wait, but Oh no. Oh wow. Like it's, it's all just kind of like, our bra- it's fun. Yeah. <laughs> so your instructions are your best efforts at getting someone calibrated to your expectations without uh, having to, Hope they memorize every verbal thing you'd say to them. Right. Because that's not, that's not reasonable, you no, know? And not. some people will take notes and it's like, great. If you feel like you have to take those notes, let me know and I'll put them in Ohio. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because that, you shouldn't have to. It, the notes yeah. are already taken for you, you mm-hmm. know? You, you shouldn't need them. And if you do, 
great. That's something we can add. Yeah. And having these instructions like this is important for the person outsourcing or offloading because mm. you don't want to have to explain it to multiple people over and over. This is more scalable. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Maybe if you're building like a black box thing that has a PCB bolted in, it's fine to leave that undocumented, but mm. like, eh. Yeah. It's still good too. <laughs> yeah, it, it helps. Helps exactly. the bus test we always talk about. Yep, exactly. It helps the bus test, which for those who don't know, the test is, does the company <laughs> stay running if one person gets hit by a bus? And my, my whole thing about this is I think startup companies should fail the bus test, but only just, <laughs> you know, because otherwise you're spending too much time writing things down. Eh, I don't know. It, it might, it might be good to pass the bus test. I recently put some stuff in place, so if I die, we <laughs> upload still around. But don't worry there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, uh, that's sorted in a weird way. <laughs> but yeah, so you know, that's that's a lot of what Ohio is. It's setting a standard. So after we run it with them a couple times, they're around. They do it. We go back to our desk. We go back to what we're doing. And if they have a problem, our general guideline is burn ten minutes. Because we need to move production along. We need to make the stuff. You know, we need to be accomplishing our tasks, right? But if it's written down somewhere, I want you to check Ohi before you come grab me. If we've written it down already, I've already theoretically answered your question. Yep. So check Ohi first. <laughs> so it also kind of acts as a, it's not even, you know, offloading the training. It's offloading the questions. Mm -hmm. It's offloading the edge cases where, you know, if something truly is off book, like when some, the, the, the perfect way this is implemented is, we're sitting at our desk and someone comes over and they're like, hey, X, Y, Z happened. And we go, wow, that's weird. <laughs> that's truly strange. I don't know what. And we go help them. And then we go figure out what the problem is and we debug it together. But if it's and like. And then update Ohi. And then, <laughs> yes, exactly. And then catch that edge case. Yep. But if they come over and it's like, did you read Ohi? It's like, well, we wrote it. It's down. It's in there somewhere. Yep. Like you say, we, we, I didn't write it for fun. Yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's a really good tool. And it also catches us because sometimes they'll be like, I don't know. And we'll be like, isn't that no high? And we check and it's not. Yeah. It's, and it's like, oh and yeah, we should have made that. Face there. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and that's great. It finds that thing. Or like, oh, nope. You're totally right. We didn't write this down at all. Do this. I'm going to document it. It'll be live on no in five minutes, you know? <laughs> and between us, it actually is kind of fun to write. It is. I love documentation. Yeah, it's, it's fun. I love writing documentation. It's a lot of fun. I always volunteer to do it at Forum Labs and my boss, Jake, was like, what's wrong with you? <laughs> it's just, it's fun to write concisely if yeah. Yeah, as well as I can, you know, like I just enjoy that a lot. I was in tech docs at Mastercam for right. about two years and yeah. uh, they would be writing the script and then making a video mm -hmm. to explain the feature. So like doing just written instructions is the relaxing part. Right. I used to have to do all the screen capture of me mousing <laughs> through a really complicated UI. <laughs> I would have like 10 layers of visual overlays because I would not get it to work right. Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> it was yeah. so stressful. Interesting, yeah. I did not have smooth mouse motion. <laughs> oh, yeah. Did you have like a tool that would like move the mouse? I, uh, I found a software meant for people of Parkinson. Oh, so it like smooths out your yeah. motion. It was really oh, good. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Huh. And uh, I would always stutter when I went to type Mastercam 2023 into like the text field of the UI. So you used auto hockey, didn't you? Yeah, I'd press control seven or something. Yeah. And then it would just type the words I needed at like 200 milliseconds per letter. That's so, I always wondered how that happened. Yeah. That's cool. I don't know how others do it, but I had big macro pads and <laughs> Parkinson software. Man, that it, does it, it do. It was great. That's cool. I hope that's stuck over there. Yeah. <laughs> That, yeah, that's a cool way a to fun do tangent. Yeah. So if you're off, uh, yeah, I can't tie that back. <laughs> <laughs> that was just well and truly a tangent. That's yeah, okay. That's fun. <laughs> so yeah, that's generally how we'll train them up on a new thing. And then after they're done being trained, well, now we're looking at their output. Mm -hmm. You know, what are they doing? And, and again, this goes for assembly techs. This goes for knowledge workers. This goes for everybody. 
First, it's 100% direct QC on literally every single thing. Yep. Like complete, full, thorough. And we generally do this until there's like many builds of no errors for that specific assembly. And this is per person? Yeah, this is per person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, you know, we want to make sure that have they gotten the hang of this where they're doing it consistently every time. If there's a build where, you know, they make something that isn't perfect, yeah, we're going to check every one until I see a few builds where they're perfect, mm-hmm. you know? And also, th- that's just really to catch it before it goes through our other QC process so we can directly give them feedback of like, hey, it looks like you did this thing differently. We should do it this way. Check out Ohi. Check out this process we have for this. And that's good. I mean, we still will always catch it with our QC. And like, we have jigs that do a lot of QC for us where it'll catch that stuff for them. So an example here, like drag chains. One of our new guys, Lex, was building them for the first time. And he'd done all the aforementioned thing, read Ohi religiously. Built one, showed us, we said looks good. Mm -hmm. But then he works alongside Bryce, who has built a lot of them. Lex would work next to him while he makes the drag chains and he'd make a bunch and then Mm -hmm. show them right to Bryce just for review. Right. 100% of the time, non-optional. Then when Bryce finally walks up to us and goes, yeah, he's ready. These are perfect. Then we go to our normal QC process where we're still QCing them, but it's just we're saving ourselves the time of like, having to loop, we're more conscious about giving that feedback to a person who's still learning it and saving us the time of, okay, who, who made this drag chain? How can we, you know, give them feedback on this thing and blah, 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 going through the QC thing. Like QC yeah. should only ever be to double check that it was made correctly. For sure. It's not like we want to make them willy nilly and we catch 18 things going out. There was like, oh, this needs rework. Like yeah. that's not the goal. If we <laughs> waited until pack out to check the new guy's assemblies, we'd never ship on time. <laughs> yeah, would, yeah, 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 exactly. At least that first time around right. for them. Sure, 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 sure. Um, it'd be a mortifying experience for them, but it's, it, again, it's not fair to them to do that. Yeah. And it, like it sh- we should keep the stakes as low as it can be. Exactly. It should never be mortifying. Working here should be fun. Exactly. It should be fun to do it. You know, Mm -hmm. you should like working with your hands. You should like jamming on editing the podcast thing about Mitchell. (laughs) Yeah. You know, like it should be fun stuff that you're working on. Like if it's stressful or bad, it's like, okay, we're not doing our job right. (laughs) And 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 a good way to like make sure it's like that for people is just have a nice path they're set to walk on with the guiding hands of instructions and training. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's a good way to do it. You have this great line that I love, (laughs) which is perfect then fast, Mm -hmm. which is the ethos that we have here of like the first time you make a feeder, I literally don't care how long it takes you. Yeah. We don't time them. Yeah. It has to be perfect. Mm -hmm. And then now I want you to make two in that time. Now I want you to make four in that time. Now Mm -hmm. I want you to make eight in that time. And you go up and you go up and then you, you hit the steady state of like what we know is reasonable to make perfect feeders in. Yeah. But like this came, this, I uh, maybe it originally came from my guitar teacher who's weirdly friends with your dad. Yes. <laughs> that was a weird <laughs> the revelation. Connecticut bluegrass scene is kind yeah, of tiny. Exactly. Yeah. But he would say it like he would play a riff. Yeah. And I would try and play it back at his speed. And he's like, that was bad. <laughs> mm-hmm. Play it as slow as you need to until it's perfect. And I'd play it like horribly slow. And he's like, that was perfect. Now go a little faster. And I go a little faster. And he'd be like, now go a little faster. And then that's how you work your way up. That's how you get good at something quickly. You do a lot of time, then you go up. So that's, that's kind of how we structure it. Perfect first. That is always the priority. Speed is secondary. It's still really important, but it, it doesn't matter if you're not making it perfect. Yeah, it's accuracy, consistency, mm-hmm. controlled pace, and then you can start addressing your timeliness. Exactly. Yep. There's a similar quote from the special operations military community. It's a slow is smooth and smooth is fast. Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah I no, I remember that. Yeah. I always mix it up. <laughs> slow is smooth and smooth is fast. Yeah. So it ultimately equates to slow is fast. Yeah. That's because you like that a lot. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you're, you're methodical. You're not mm-hmm. rushing. Think about every, each motion of your hand in time. Yeah. And then just pace it up. 
I like that yeah, a lot. It's like being present. Uh, it's like having an active mind while right. you're building stuff. Sure, 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 sure. Being aware. Yep. That situational awareness. That's great. Critical stuff. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. So once someone's up to speed and we consider them like onboarded, acclimated to the processes, have their wits about them, we just switch on to doing our standard QC process flow, like we said, and that's mm-hmm. the buddy check. Mm-hmm. So everything that goes into a box here is reviewed by a second person. Yep. We even have like a whole like bin coloring system to yes. get into here. Yeah. But it's all to say that people who are new, uh, again, have those guide rails to make sure they do the right thing. Mm-hmm. A great example of this is, this is going to be super meta, especially because Mitchell, you're literally listening as we record this, but Mitchell's the producer for the podcast. He edits the podcast. <laughs> so the first few times he edited the podcast, I gave it a listen through. Mm-hmm. And I was like, maybe we should do this. Maybe we should do this differently, blah, blah, blah. It was, you know, the equivalent of QC checking it, right? Mm-hmm. Just for the tone and how do we want to do it? What's the balance of like, what rude little Easter egg do we leave at the end or whatever? And now I don't listen to them. I just trust that he's going to edit them well. And he always does. Or or sometimes what it is is now, just like you said, we have a good design language Mm -hmm. of like you and I know how to talk about CAD. Mitchell and I know how to talk about, do we want to put something in the podcast? Right. You know, he'll be like, listen to this timestamp. And he'll be like, what do you think about this? And we'll have a discussion about that nugget. And I know that the rest of it is QC'd already. You know, Mm -hmm. we've already done the 100% QC process effectively. And he just knows exactly what to do for the rest of it. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it applies to everywhere. I, I want to make sure we're not t- talking all about text because this goes for any kind of outsourcing thing. Yeah. You know, like if we didn't have Mitchell on board and Mitchell wasn't an incredible audio engineer and like knew how to edit a podcast, <laughs> I would probably be doing it. Mm-hmm. So, you know, in that way, it would have been outsourced. But also the whole thing was his idea, really. So, yep. yeah, thanks, Mitchell. You kick butt, dude. <laughs> <laughs> Back to what you said about not just being assembly level stuff we're talking mm-hmm. about here. Mm-hmm. Every GitHub release has a reviewer. Every PR double yeah. checked. Yep. Even yeah. if it comes from the open source contributor community, mm-hmm. like we don't just blindly merge. What we're saying here yeah. isn't optional. Right. You know, what's actually kind of interesting is that we have the whole contributing page on mm-hmm. the Loom PMP repo. Yeah. That's like OHI for outsourcing design kind of in like a weird way. It's not really the same, but it's like if you want to help contribute, yeah. this is the way to do it. It's a really narrow path that if you want to walk down, it explains how. Yeah, exactly. There's an exact way to contribute here thoughtfully yep. and like cooperate beautifully with us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's similar, but it's not quite the same because it's not like we're offloading it to them. We're still doing it. You know, it's like if they want to contribute, if they have a cool thing they want to add in, they can. So it's a little different. Hey, I have a couple GitHub issues tag need help. So uh, <laughs> if you're listening and you want to contribute. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> Don't pigeonhole us. <laughs> fair, 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 fair. <laughs> But yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's an interesting relationship. You know, it's, it's like kind of the same thing. So that's kind of how we make sure like the quality of the thing is still good after that, the outsourcing it, you know, you check it a lot and you build confidence, you know, you still do if, if y'all aren't familiar with like AQL sampling, you can also check every once in a while and just double in and, you know, see how things are going that way as well. Just sample a subset manually, but we also do hundred percent QC on this stuff anyway. For like, sure. So, you know, it doesn't super matter. Yeah, as a parting thing for this section here, mm-hmm. if someone makes a mistake, I will have them update OHI. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's a good method. And then having people who are new QC finish goods, mm-hmm. that really helps cement their knowledge here. Yep. I'm like, once I see someone's catching something that I, I didn't see myself, I'm like, oh. Sure. They're calibrated. Right. And you know what? That's actually very similar to how, you know, if Mitchell gets a customer question mm-hmm. that he's like, I don't know about this one. And we talk about it. Once we kind of come to a decision on like, how do we respond to this? You know, if they have a question about, you know, lead times or whatever, we'll write it into, we use a guru uh, is a great service for like documenting stuff and like stuff gets like out of date when it hasn't been confirmed by someone that it's still accurate. Mm -hmm. So stuff can't just die on the vine and being like, oh, it says that this is true. 
but it hasn't been updated in a year. Is it really still true? <laughs> it will tell thing. you. Exactly. It, you, it can't get stale. So Mitchell will make a guru card. It's just like someone updating Ohio, like documenting the thing to help automate it. And anyone else that is on customer support or interacting with customers or like anyone else that's building a machine and looking at Ohi, that kind of stuff is good to still write down. It's worth the effort to write it down. I think this brings us nicely to our next section of like what to look for when we're trying to offload work and yes. bring on a teammate. Yes. Which we're doing a lot of right now. <laughs> oh yeah. It's uh, it's growth season for us. It is hundred percent. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh, there's a book from one of our investors, Joel Spolsky, uh, smart and gets things done yep. that uh, Stephen read at first. And I'm a good, I'm a good halfway through now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to get caught up to Steven. He's a fast reader. <laughs> <laughs> and it's about how to hire people. And there's a lot to it that we've been learning from that. Yep. And he kind of puts it all on the table in the title of they need to be smart mm -hmm. and they need to get things done. And he has like an Eisenhower matrix style grid of this is like people who are smart and don't get things done are really, you know, cheeky, but they may not accomplish all their goals. You know, he kind of like breaks it down of all the different hierarchies of things. Yep. So it's a great subset of rules. And we obviously have more than those two, but like that book is an interesting read and it's also been really helpful for me of like, you know, what standards do we have for, you know, for hiring and like, you know, where do we draw the line? What, what should we be looking for? Highly recommend the book. It's good. And it's a quick read. I read in like three hours or something. I'll burn an afternoon. Yeah, it's not bad. Yeah, it's not too long. And he's funny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Joel's a riot. He's a freaking riot. That guy. Yeah. But another check is, would we get a beer with them? We're going to work with these people all the time. Yeah. We should like them. Another candidate we had in the other day put it really nice. Like we might spend more time with our teammates here than with like a family member or like a spouse. Yeah. Yeah. So you have to make sure you like them. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. For assembly, it's, will someone listen to these instructions about pushback, objection, or obstinance? So we, we call it going rogue. Will, will they go off and do their own thing or will they be respectful and listen to the instructions? And if they have suggestions, is does this seem like the person who will take it through the proper processes and ask for approval to change the, the course we dictate? Exactly. Not, you know, if something is truly not working well, to have them be like, hey, I think this is not working well because yeah. <laughs> we want to know that. But otherwise, to, you know, go with the flow. So mm -hmm. We have Ohi written. It, it, every word is intentional. It's there for a reason. Are they going to be down to follow that stuff? And if something seems out of whack and they're like, my gut is telling me this is not right. They know to bring that up and they feel comfortable, too. And they're, they're going to be able to say, hey, I think this is wrong. Yep. You know, and then lastly, for like the assembly technician roles, like, do they have a passion for this? Are they interested in this space? Mm -hmm. Do they like building things? We find that that really helps cue someone up for success here. Yeah, because it also means that they're going to want to stay here because they like making things. You know, they're interested in the fact that we're making a pick and place machine. You know, we're making stuff for electronics and, you know, they're into electronics or into building they're into 3D printers or, you know, something like that that shows a passion for that kind of thing means they're probably going to be stoked to come to work. They should be hyped. I don't want to hire someone that's going to like, oh, I got to go to work. Yeah, they should be at least pretty excited, at least kind of stoked to be here. I don't, I don't want to hire someone that's like bummed about being here. That stinks. No, you know? exactly. We, yeah. we don't want people who are here just for the check. Yes. And like, there's part of that where I think, especially as we grow, it's going to be harder to find people that are only like that. But like, we're a small company. Everyone here should be pretty jazzed about something, yeah. you know, should want to be able to learn and engage with what we're doing here. You know, like that's, that's really important, I think. And especially if we want to hang out with these people. Those two yeah. kind of go hand in hand. <laughs> They're going to be stoked about this kind of stuff. We've hired from all walks of life, all backgrounds, mm. all levels of experience. And what we've taken away is this here. It's, mm. we, you can teach anything besides like passion and like willingness to do the job. That's the biggest thing. You can teach anything aside from passion. We've had people that didn't know what a 3D printer was. They didn't understand anything about electronics at all. Run the lumen. No problem yeah. making boards. Like it, it, you can teach it. 
the passion is the thing that is really like just being excited about it, you know, being jazzed about what we're doing is one of the biggest focuses. Yeah. It's an incredible motivator to yeah. care about what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Totally. And then there's the knowledge worker side of it. Yes. This kind of thing is like the biggest thing I've been looking for is like ownership and agency. If I give them, you know, a prompt, will they run with it? Will they figure it out? Will they own it? And like I just said, we're still small. We have a, a lot of things that need done and a lot of things that we might not even have on our list yet that would be good to do Mm -hmm. that if someone discovers those do it if you find a thing oh wow we should really be doing you know blue blurp go and burn a day do blue if you think it's good do it have at it have at it i want i want you to own it i want you to figure it out and not have me have to think about it (laughs) you know figure out if it's gonna make sense and if it does do it yeah, we're yeah. not in the business of micromanaging. Yeah, exactly. More like the opposite, really. Exactly. It's all as much autonomy as possible because, you know, there are not enough hours. If I had one superpower, <laughs> I would do crazy things for the superpower. I would pause time. If I could do this, I would pause time for probably four months. Genies, if you're listening. And I... <laughs> who? Genies. Genies? Yeah, well, what, what's the cursed thing? After those four months, I instantly age four years. <laughs> you yeah. still do that. I would probably still do that. <laughs> but to just pause... And not have time be a thing and just, oh, I would love that. That would be so good. Anyway, totally aside, but yeah. I, w- I wish I could pause time. So, but you know, you, you kind of get that with offloading these things. Mm-hmm. So, you know, having people that have autonomy and are just like taking a thing and owning it is huge. Yep. It's so, so important. Critical. Yeah. So that's big. Also should be passionate about what we're doing, especially for knowledge worker of like, caring about what this is, especially because we're still a startup. Mm-hmm. Everyone here has got to be jazzed about what this thing is. What are we trying to do here? What problem are we trying to solve? You got to be into it. Yeah, you know? sure. I remember when Mitchell approached us for uh, an opening we had here <laughs> yes. and uh, we got in like a three page essay about why is a good move for him? Like why he's passionate about the space yeah. and like how many 3D printers the man, uh, he, yeah. he has <laughs> yes. multiple rooms full of 3D printers. Yeah. And it was like, okay, we clearly pa- highly passionate individual. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. In a great position to do meaningful stuff. Totally. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so th- that's a super, super important thing. And it always pays off in space. You want someone that's on the same page as you, yep. you know, especially for a smaller thing that's super important. Every hire needs to be good, excellent, mm-hmm. perfect. You know, sometimes it's a, it takes less time to have no one and have an opening than it, it does to hire the wrong person. Ex- yeah, that's super true. Like, and, and Joel's <laughs> book goes into that, like yeah. how bad it is to hire someone that isn't a good fit. It's just such a rigmarole. It's just, oh, yeah. It's such a thing. Yeah, it's an uncomfortable one. So yep. try to avoid it if you can. Yeah, like, you know, and it, it takes a lot of learning and it's impossible to get it right every time. But, you know, you start to figure out what to look for. You start to find out what's going to be a good fit and what things are important for the kind of organization that you're running. And, you know, it just takes time. But yeah, super important to get it right. Like Joel's book is helpful of like, if you're even a little unsure, it's a no. If you're like, yes, but it's a no. <laughs> it's like, it's a good way to be. <laughs> it's brutal, but it's from that. The angle of self-preservation. Yep. And wanting to make sure that what we're doing is, you know, everyone's on the same team here. Are we all excited about what we're doing? Are we all kicking butt? But this isn't a hiring episode. Maybe we'll do an episode about hiring. (laughs) (laughs) And all of this ties into um, one of our old bosses at Formlabs is rule of three. Yeah. Give someone an assignment if they like it, they're good at it, and it's useful for the company. Mm -hmm. And ideally, they check off two of those. Either they're they're good at it and they like it, they, they like it and it's good for the company. All three is awesome, though. Yeah. That's a trifecta. Mm-hmm. Um, aim for that way you can, but yep. you don't want someone to do something just cause they like it. Yeah. <laughs> or, or just cause they're good at it, but they hate it and it's not useful for the company or it's useful for the company and they're not good at it and they hate it. 
That yeah. sucks. Like you should get at least two. Yeah. And like even the one where they like it and they're good at it, but it's not useful for the company. That's still useful to give someone that task every once in a while because it's helping them grow. They're stoked at the company. You know, they're, they're exercising them being good at something. And of course it has to be at least kind of good for the company, you know, but maybe not critical path, but like something good. You yeah. know what I mean? Like Google has that 20% rule where like right. 20% of the time you just go towards things they're interested in. Right. And like that is, that is that subset, you know, and ultimately they do end up being good for the company too. Uh, <laughs> so they're a little sneaky about that one, but yeah, same, same kind of thing. It's so true. It's such a good rule. And if you just have one, you should probably put them on something else, mm-hmm. but aim for all three. If you can find someone that's really good at something, they love it. And it's super useful for the company. Keep them on that thing. That is critical path. Yeah. <laughs> You want to make sure everyone's happy and that's a great way to do it. Mm-hmm. Giving people work that they feel connected to, they enjoy doing and they're good at. Yep. Like I, I think about at form labs, there was stuff where like I wrote like a white paper about mill fluidics. I was probably fine at writing the paper, but I really liked it and it was useful for the company. It probably needed a lot of edits <laughs> before it was ready to, I remember the edits. It needed edits uh, before it was ready to see prime time. That is a great example of, you know, I wasn't great at it. They were trying me out on that thing. But it was useful for the company and I liked it. And then there's other things where, you know, I had to deal with some, you know, annoying problems <laughs> that I didn't like dealing with, but I did know how to solve them. And it was really important for the company. So I did yeah. those too. Like it's a give and take. It's really hard to find the stuff for all three. But if you can hang on to it, that's like such a good thing to offload. Yeah. Don't mess with that. Yeah. Don't mess with that. But yeah, that's a lot to it. That's- yeah. That was a great question we got from Appa OG. That was a great question from Appa OG. Yes. So thank you for asking that. Yeah. The, uh, the Lumen PMP podcast channel. Mm-hmm. And if any of y'all have any other topics that you want us to talk about pretty much before we go <laughs> and we record these, we have a list of all the episodes that have ever been recorded and we also check discord. So if you have an idea, we will probably talk about it. Like Appa OG literally wrote this the morning before we recorded. And we're like, that's a great episode idea. Let's do that one. Yeah, we, po- <laughs> we even postponed the one we were planning to do because it's like, oh, this is fantastic. This is a good one. So yeah, just let us know. We will probably do an episode about it eventually. For sure. Cool. All right, guys, that's it for this one. Thank you so much for listening. Please don't forget to leave a review wherever you get your podcast. It really helps us out a ton. You can find Opulo on Twitter and Instagram. Also, please don't forget to check out opulo.io and sign up for our newsletter where we write blog posts, white papers, and do customer interviews with other folks building cool open hardware. That's it, and we'll see you on the next one. Thanks, everyone. You want, you want to contribute there? <laughs> I, I, I'm bringing it. Like, I feel like we said all this already. Sorry, Mitchell. Want to pull your weight, Steven? <laughs> yeah. No, no, you're doing great. And so, yeah. I know, it's just funny how you said um, it. You're like, oh, Lucian's going to be profound for sentences. And I'm like, no, bud. (laughs) Profound for my Not this one. Be nice to yourself. (laughs)